from the studios of Teeing It Up in Swamps, New Jersey. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schoen for Wednesday, January 9th, 2019. It is time in the NFL season, in the, I'm sorry, in the NBA season, with the new year to talk about some stuff. But to do that, first we're going to talk to our friend Jordan Brickman. Good evening, sir. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure. So um, let's start here. You uh, attended the last UFC fight. It was what? UFC 232, I believe, was the number? Correct. Yes. 232 um, in Los Angeles. Um, I've never been to a UFC fight. I have I have no interest in, in, in MMA. Um, what was the experience like? Having attended a, a, a bunch of sporting events, what, you know, what was it like? It was absolutely awesome um it's my second UFC event my first one was uh seven years ago now um and that was in Vegas um and I'm a much bigger fan now I can appreciate the sport much more than I could back then um the environment was awesome I got to watch one of my favorite all-time fighters John Jones compete and win the title back at the turning point in his career hopefully which is awesome uh I got to see Amanda Nunez versus Chris Cyborg which was had an incredible fight, 50 seconds long, champion versus champion, and had a uh, undefeated fighter get knocked out, which was completely unexpected. I've never seen a crowd be more in shock about anything uh, than that moment. The entire crowd, hands on their head, mouth open, looking around, trying to confirm with each other that they actually saw what they just saw. Um, it was incredible. And it was at the Forum, which is a rare venue to get to go to. Legendary venue, obviously, the Showtime Lakers played there. A lot of musicians had, had a lot of historical runs there. So uh, very cool all-around uh, environment and event to go to. And it perfectly relates to this podcast, which is going to talk a bunch of Knicks, because it's owned by Jim Dolan. Or run. Which I, I didn't know, which is interesting that it's that MSG owns the Forum. I guess I just can't escape that guy. Yeah, yeah, they they purchased that years ago. Um, it's yeah. been a while since they did that. Um, it's it, one of the things that's interesting to me about such a violent sports sport like that is we talk so much about head injuries in other sports, and we don't talk a lot about head injuries with mixed martial arts. Um, and yet, it seems like it's as popular as ever. Why do you think that is? Well, so one thing I'll say, if you compare boxing to MMA, MMA is significantly safer right. from a long-term perspective because you can lose a fight without getting hit in the head once. You can get put into a... Ronda Rousey would win fights all the time, put someone in an arm bar, it's over in 30 seconds. They didn't, never got hit in the head at all. There's obviously body shots, there's kicks, things like that. So there's not as much head trauma as something like boxing where you're really only getting hit in the head or in the body. Now, with that said, there's also a lot of knockouts. So <laughs> with knockouts comes... Definitely a concussion, definitely some long-term symptoms can come from that, especially for, for guys that are, um, you know, have fought 50 fights that have been knocked out 10 times. You know, there's definitely some, be some issues there. As far as why it's so popular, I think that boxing A has taken a step back. I think that boxing has uh, lost some, some of the personality and um, the the big-name fighters like Tyson, the Ali's of the world. There's, there's been a little bit of a comeback recently, but... Mayweather has been the biggest name in the sport for years, and he's not a fun fighter to watch. At the end of the day, people like to see, if you look at the NFL, they want to see big hits, they want to see highlights, and the UFC and MMA in general is more tailored toward that because you're seeing knockouts, you're seeing more enticing 
uh, finishes as opposed to watching tw uh, 12 rounds of guys kind of punch each other. And sure, that's fun too, but there's more of a, it's more um, finesse in boxing. And there's a lot of finesse in MMA, but the knockout and the fact that it can happen at literally any time, uh, I think it really caters to the, the new age audience, the millennial audience, if you will, the, the Instagram highlights, the gifs, things like that. Um, MMA, I think, caters to that a lot more than boxing does. Um, and, it's, and you have so many different unique styles. No, no one fight is the same. I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons that um, UFC has kind of taken over as the top combat sport um, in the country or in the world, maybe even. Hashtag uh, millennial. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. You mentioned how your favorite fighter was back in the uh, uh, back in the octagon. Um, do you think he's finally realized that he can't be doing PEDs and can't get himself suspended every uh, uh, suspended every other fight? Well, he maintains his innocence. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's there's 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 definitely a lot of uh, there could be a long discussion ar around this. It certainly seems um, like he's the new man. He's definitely one of those guys that will always say the right thing no matter what. So it's kind of hard to know if. Uh, he's being truthful or not. So I'm hoping that he is. He seems to be super focused. He wants to fight three times this year, which is a lot for an MMA fighter. Um, it sounds like he's kind of focused, ready to go, hungry. Actually, in the bathroom line at um, at uh, the venue, I actually saw someone that knows him and is in his camp. Um, and they said that he's completely sober now, totally uh, not drinking, not doing any drugs. So hopefully he's, he's on a straight and narrow moving forward. So you met Noah Syndergaard on this trip, and you ran into somebody from his camp on this trip. You had one heck of a trip in terms of meeting people. <laughs> not, not, not only that, but um, on, on the, in the, after he, John Jones won, I saw some people go on the ring and celebrate with him. And as I was leaving the venue, I saw those things. I recognized the guy's suit. He was wearing a light gray suit. Um, and I recognized him as I was leaving. I was like, hey, John Jones, let's go. Like, me out. He was like, yeah, yeah. And I watched the video behind the scenes of the event. That was his father and his brother. Um, that I was actually talking to uh, outside of the venue. So I was, that was kind of a funny realization that I had that uh, I actually spoke to John Jones' dad briefly, but we definitely had a little uh, moment. There you go. All right, you talked to a whole... Uh, sorry, first of all, um, MSG bought this place in 2012. That, that's the exact timeline for that. Um, okay. So... Um, you traveled to a lot of places in 2018. You went to Vegas. You went to Los Angeles. You went to, um, you went to England. You went to Italy. You went to Baltimore. You went to Vegas. You went to, uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, that's a pretty good list. Uh, I went to Char uh, Charleston. Yes, um, yes, uh, Charleston. Carolina. Yep. Um, and then uh, the uh, family trip you you took somewhere. Uh, where uh, where was oh, that? Charleston. Oh, 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 oh right. uh, yes, that's right, Charleston. Okay. Carolina, I should say, not Charleston, but South Carolina. Right. Um, so, so where was your favorite place that you traveled in 2018 of all those places and why? Italy is the easy answer for sure. Um, always wanted to go to Italy. Food was amazing. The weather was amazing. Um, Positano is extremely, is extremely awesome. The views are incredible there. I saw when I was in... Um, and in Positano, there was a bunch of yachts out there. Uh, and turns out LeBron James was on one of those yachts, and he had just signed with the Lakers while we were out there. That was his celebration, and we saw the yacht. And we also saw a helicopter come and land on that yacht. 
Um, and apparently that helicopter had uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Jimmy Iovine on it. So it was really cool to kind of see how the other side of the world lives uh, and and just kind of watch that whole thing unfold. And again, the food and the weather and the ambiance and um, just the country itself was all was amazing. I thought you were a one percenter. Come on, you are a part of the other side of the world. <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. Um, talking to Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. All right. Unfortunately, we now have to switch topics. Um, Knicks are one and nine in their last uh, ten games. They've lost two straight. They're ten and thirty-one. Um, they've got the second worst record in the East. Everybody knew this would be a rebuilding year, but take a step back. Do you honestly, or is this worse than you expected, or better than you expected? Um, to be honest with you, it feels no different to me than other other years. Um, I'm, you know, the last few seasons, I've always gone into you know once the kind of the wheels fall off right after the, after you realize after about 10, 15, 20 games that they're not going to make playoffs, they're not going to you know, it's not going to be a totally different season. I'm always expecting them to lose, so this kind of just feels like the same. And I'm happy that we are now hopefully going to be in the conversation for the number one pick. Um, in the past, we've always been, you know, five to ten, twelve in that range, and that's great. You know, it's good and all, but we, I need to get, we need to get that superstar, that top one, two, or three pick. Right now, all you need to have with the new lottery um, rules is be a bottom three team. We are currently a bottom three team, so let's keep losing. Um, it's all about development. If Knox can, can who's shown flashes and has looked pretty good, if he can continue to develop. Moutier obviously looks like a pretty good player this year out of nowhere, shockingly. Bonley looks like a keeper. You know, we got to focus on Frank. Let's get KP healthy. You have those things. You maintain your cap flexibility. I don't think it's that much of a lost season because it's a got development. If we can walk away from this year and say, we are, we have three to five guys that we are comfortable moving forward as our core. We have, KP is healthy, have a top three pick. You know, that's something that you can build on and is, and hopefully is not too far away from really taking the next steps yeah. Frank uh, has played in 35 uh, games, started 14 of them, um, is, is averaging six points per game. Um, some say he's disappointed on offense. Some say he's still uh, progressing. His shooting percentage this year is 34% from, uh, from the field. Uh, 33%, uh, sorry, uh, 30 per, sorry, thir- excuse me, 35% from the field, 30 from three, um, or sorry, 30 uh, PA, whatever that n- nugget is, and then it's obviously f- uh, uh, zero point, hold on a second, I cannot read stats today for some reason, um, uh, 30% from three. Yeah. So here's my question about Frank. Is he progressing offensively how you want him to? Because everybody knows he was a great defensive guard. The question is, could he be a good offensive player? So you have those stats in front of you right now, right? Yep. Can you read to me his three-point percentage by month? Um, I, I'm, on, I'm on ESPN.com. Uh, let me see if I can find... Is it NBA.com that has his three-point percentage by month? Oh, try to, try to look it up as I, as I give my answer, but, but okay. what you're going to find is basically, I believe it's something to the effect of 40% in October, like 16% in November, and then 40%-ish, plus or minus a little bit, in December, January so far. Um, so really that month of November was when he's really started to struggle here. If he's shooting 35 to 40% from three and being a great defender, already a useful, very useful player. 
Now, if he has developed that now, has he developed to the point that I have, would have liked him to to this to this point in his career? No. Um, Frank is one of my favorite players. I've been a Cup in a long time. I am a huge believer in him and his development and his long-term potential. I think that he can, is an extremely valuable piece in today's NBA. Um, I'm happy that they are no longer, for the most part, experimenting with him as a two or a three. I think he needs to have the ball in his hands. Now, as we're seeing with someone like Moutier, who is in his fourth year, has really stumbled in his career, but now he's starting to really figure it out. He's more efficient, he's being smarter, the game has slowed down for him. We see that some of these guys that are a little more raw that come into the NBA, especially at the point guard position, they just need time. Now, playing for the Knicks and being thrust in the starting lineup like he has, people are expecting him to develop so fast and, and, and be this player that he's just not yet. But he, he's, he's there defensively. His three-point shot has shown potential, inconsistent, but has shown potential to be consistent for stretches at a time. Um, I just think it's all about confidence with him and continuing to get stronger and getting to learn the NBA game. You can see with Frank that um, coming from the European style, the, the, the European teams, they run set plays. It's not a free-flowing of an offense. So you can see when he brings the ball up the floor, he wa- he's waiting for the guys to hit their spots and, and run off curls and set screens. and He's waiting for the offense to kind of set up around him when he needs to just attack and create himself. He, I, I firmly believe that he has the ability to do so. It's just about adapting his mindset, creating more confidence, getting more getting more skilled as he develops his uh, as he develops his game. And, and I think that will come. And I hope the Knicks will continue to give him the opportunity for that to come because he shows he's shown these flashes. And I I really believe that he can be a a pretty smooth offensive player. You know, he's not going to score thirty a game, twenty five a game, but I think he can be an efficient player in the mid mid to high teens. Get you a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple of steals, and, and really do that. Um, can switch on anybody, can guard a, the, the one through four or even five, depending on who the five is. When he really builds up his strength, I think he's going to be a very, I think literally physical strength is going to be a pro of his game as he, as he matures more. And um, you look at a guy like Tony Allen or even PJ Tucker, these guys are very valuable, were and are very valuable players on championship teams and or contenders. And they have basically no offensive game. Frank has the ability to be more advanced to them offensively um, and be hopefully just as good as a defender as those guys are one day. So, so I'm still a firm believer in him. He needs to continue to develop, and he needs to play point guard. That is where he needs to be, I think, long term. So hopefully they, he can get back healthy from this injury as now and continue to develop as the year goes on. Um, and, and hopefully next year can, can take another step or start to take steps forward. Because I'm the best, sorry, sometimes I tout myself, um, <laughs> I did find that three-point percentage from uh, uh, for you uh, about Frank. His October three-point percentage was 39%, then it was uh, 16%, then it was 38%, and now it's 67% in January. Right. So, so you can see November, terrible. 16% unacceptable. You can't have that. But... That looks like so far that's kind of an outlier. Um, yeah. If he can maintain, if he can shoot 38, 39, 40% from three, even if he does nothing else, if he can, as long as he can stretch the floor and play the defense he can play, there's value in that. Um, and something I've noticed, Frank, is when he starts to hit one, if he hits his first shot or hits a shot early in his playing time, all of a sudden his confidence is completely different. If you notice when you watch him play, if he goes out and hits his first shot, especially if it's a jumper, he's so much more engaged and so much more confident after that. 
So as long as I can get a little more consistent and kind of stay where it is um, at that 38, not 39% number, that's just going to help continue to, to evolve his game even more. Alright, so now we're going to play uh, Does This Player Have a Future with the Knicks, which is Cantor, Moutier, and then uh, I would say Alonzo Trier, and then Noah Vonley, who has impressed me um, in, in the action I've seen of him. He's averaging uh, where the rebounding st- statistics go. They're somewhere in here. Um, but, but he's impressed me in, in, in uh, his time. Here it is. Uh, he's grabbing you know, uh, whoops, this is the next lineup, uh, uh, nine rebounds per game, you know, he's scoring uh, uh, nine points per game, and Trier's averaging 10 um, points per game, both those guys have impressed me, the question is, do they have a future? Yeah, so, uh, Cantor, definitely not, he's gone, he might get traded any yeah. day now, there's a rumor today about him and Zach Randolph being a trade, um, don't really see the benefit there for the Knicks, but I guess just to get Cantor away, uh, sounds like there might be a bigger deal involved with that too. So um, that cancer is gone for sure. I think uh, Trier will definitely be here next year. Curious to see how he fits in long term. He's definitely been struggling a little bit after that hot start. T- total definition of a chuck doesn't really play within an offense, um, but he is an efficient scorer. He can score the basketball. That's always going to be valuable. And I, and I think he has some potential to be. Uh, maybe average defensively or to not be he's not a guy like Trey Burke or Jamal Crawford or one of these guys that is a scorer or Lou Williams and just can't play defense I think he has some ability to maybe be at least league average there so curious I'm gonna say unsure on Trier but he'll definitely be here next year um Moutier I think you know he's obviously a free agent um I think that he loves playing for Fisdale uh I think that he's obviously I was Clearly out on him coming into the year. I thought this guy stinks. He was so bad last year. I was like, he doesn't have a single NBA skill. Um, you know, I'm out on this guy. And I think a lot of people were. He's definitely impressed me this year. Um, is he an NBA starting point guard on a good team? I don't. I still do not. I'm still not sold on that. His three point shot is still well below average at this point. It's been improved, but it's still really not passable for today's NBA. So to me, he's a backup point guard. Now, is he willing to give the Knicks? A hometown discount to come back next year um, that's the question that I think that we have to ask so if he is and I think that he will be uh, then I think he'll be back in a hopefully a backup point guard role I uh, don't know who would be in front of him it could be we get a Kyrie if we get lucky enough to get a Kyrie it could be him maybe we draft a guy like John Morant from Murray State and maybe that's the guy that's like playing point guard before maybe Frank takes that step and really takes the job from him so um, I think he'll be back at a hometown discount and I'll say same answer for Noah Bonley. I think Noah loves to play for Fisdale. I think he hopefully will give us a kind of a hometown discount, knowing that we don't have a ton of money to shed out to these guys. But hey, if we give them a you know a Kyle O'Quinn type of contract, three four year deal, you know three to five million mid level exception type of money, I think that they'd be happy with that, knowing all the volatility they've had in their career, knowing how much they love Fisdale, and knowing the opportunity that's that's in front of them. Um, in New York. And at the end of the day, we haven't seen any of these guys mesh with KP yet, and that's really the big question. I think that Bonley is a great fit next to KP and a great fit for today's NBA. He's kind of everything that Kyle O'Quinn wasn't. Um, so I think that Moutier and Bonley are back on team-friendly deals. I think Cantor's gone, and I think Trier will be back. Unclear Trier is in the long-term, long-term picture for the next. 
Um, what's your impression to Fisdale and all these changing lineups? Because there has not been consistency, besides injuries, obviously, but there's really not been consistency from, from you know, a set of games to a set of games. Obviously, he's experimenting. Obviously, the, he has the luxury to experiment because this season, you know, the, the, there are no expectations on this team. But what is your uh, thoughts on, on both him and all these changing lineups? So, first on Fizz, um, I think that his development is really why he was brought here. And I think he's done a pretty good job at that so far. You know, it's hard to tell from being away, not, you know, as close to the team as, you know, some beat writers are or the players are, obviously. But from afar, you look at Moutier, you look at Vonley, you look at these guys that have never done anything close to what they're doing right now in their career, and you say, and they all credit Fizz for their success. I think you've got to say, job well done around that. Um, I think his X's and O's seem to be kind of average. They don't seem to be anything crazy unique. The Knicks are still one of the last teams in corner threes attempted and, and made, which is a very modern NBA shot. So that's a little bit concerning. But also you got to work with the roster that you have. So I think X's and O's, out of timeouts, their inbounding is like terrible. Um, things like this, is, you know, it's hard to say, is it the coach's fault, is it the player's fault? I think you can give him an incomplete for the actual on-the-court X's and O's for now. Um, the rotation changes and how how, um, how often they change. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me as much as other people make it out to be. I mean, look, the team has the second or time for the second worst record in the NBA. He should be experimenting. He should be making changes. Um, he shouldn't be sticking with the same starting lineup all year. Now there are some lineups that statistically have shown they are uh, strong plus minus. Uh, relative to other lineups that I would like to see him experiment with more. For example, Frank Dotson and Vonley, I believe, are the, are the best three-person combination of any lineup on the team. That lineup doesn't get thrown out there as much as, as, it, as it maybe should be and it has not started together since the beginning of the year. So, you know, there's some things like that that I'd like to see more. But the, to, his, to his point, and I think he's very forthcoming with his thought process on this, is that these guys are, are very young. A lot of them are rookies, have not experimented, have not experience playing this much before he needs to kind of feel along with them what what can they handle what are they okay with what's too much um you know what's the best way to, to help develop these guys and there's no right answer for one, for every there's not one formula for every single player on the team so um i i'm okay with the, the changing lineup because it's not like they're winning games he's making these changes they're losing games you know it's good to, to stick with something for a little bit see how it's going i think they're sticking with luke Cornette right now and seeing how that works out you know, they did the Mitchell Robinson thing. They did the cancer thing for a little bit. So, you know, give them their stretches. I'm happy it's not game to game. It's literally changing. But um, I, I like the, the the approach that he's taken so far. Um, I can see how it could annoy some people that not have the consistency. But it's not like they're playing well or winning. So you might as well try some new things. Talking to Jordan Brickman about the Knicks. We're not going to expand out to the National Basketball Association as a whole. There is no team currently averaging less than 100 points a game. Are you concerned about the lack of defense in, in the NBA and all this scoring, or are you fine with it? I'm fine with it. Scoring is exciting. Um, and when it comes down to it, come, come the playoffs, those numbers are always going to drop. So the game slows down. The play- I mean, it's still going to be up-tempo relative to what it was you know, 10 years ago, but those numbers always come down. Some playoff time, the game slows down. Teams know each other better. The intensity goes up in the game. Um, I have I have no problem with with the scoring. Um, and from what I've seen, it's still there's still a lot of competition in the NBA, and there's a there's a lot more 
strong teams in the NBA right now. Maybe not championship contenders, but really strong, talented teams um, in the NBA right now that, that um, are exciting to watch. You read my mind. Is Denver a team that can stay up top the Western Conference? They've been up there basically the whole year. Whether they could stay there in the regular season um, is not the topic that I think is important. The topic, I think, is can they win the championship? And that answer that, for me, is no. Um, they, I don't think Jamal Murray is a consistent enough scorer, um, or, and Jokic, I don't think, is a high enough volume scorer for them come playoff time to beat a team like the Warriors or a team like the Lakers or even the Thunder. Um, so I, I think that they... Maybe, you know, great regular season team. I think they're probably still um, a, a little bit more development away from, from really being that, that title contender. Um, when you look at Toronto, obviously Kawhi Leonard's been a game changer for them. Are you still in the boat that it'll be Philly, Toronto, and Boston by the time we get towards the Eastern Conference Finals? Or, or do you think the Bucks or the Pacers can sneak in there? Bucks can definitely sneak in there. I'm interested to see... Um, with the new uh, pace and space lineup and, and offense that the Bucks are playing with Giannis just go and attack the rim and if there's nothing there dish it out for three I'm interested to see how that looks in the playoffs and see how, how Giannis can if he can continue these numbers he's putting up come playoff time and, and more specifically in crunch time but I do think they are good enough to um, compete with those teams but I think the Raptors and the Celtics are still the class of the, of the East um, Celtics have not obviously messed as well as some people thought, but I think come playoff time, they're going to figure it out. They're going to be there. Kyrie, best scorer probably in the East, um, and obviously great crunch time player as well. So I think the Celtics and the, and the Raptors are the top two right now. Um, James Harden has basically brought the Rockets back to life. I mean, they got off on an awful start, and he just has been doing some ridiculous things. I mean, that three the other night was, what was it last Thursday that he won that thing with five seconds left with two guys covering him? I mean, you can't defend that. That's just pure talent. And and yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy. Do you think the Rockets right now who are fifth in the conference are still going to be there or they need to add something here at the trade deadline to make it work? The concern with the Rockets is that Chris Paul looks like a shell of himself. He's obviously hurt right now, but it looks like when he's out there, he does not look like the same player. And they need to have Chris Paul be the, the all-star version of Chris Paul for them to compete with someone like the Warriors. You know, Harden, he's not going to put up 40, 45 points, triple-doubles in four out of seven games against the Warriors in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, maybe he can do it a couple times and will them to some games, but um, I just don't think they have enough right now to, to beat the elite of the elite teams in the NBA. Um, you know, I think last year was their shot. It sounds like they're going to try to keep making some moves this year, continue to get, try to get better at the trade deadline. Um, we'll see about that, more, more to come, but uh, I don't think that they are uh, going to beat someone like the Warriors this year. Are the Warriors good enough even when DeMarcus Cousins comes back? It's been a weird year for them. Uh, Steve Kerr admitted that, that he thinks Steph Curry's had problems getting back in the rotation. He's obviously had a great stretch recently, so obviously Steph's feeling better. Um, but it's been a weird year for them. Clay Thompson got off to an awful shooting start. He's finally hitting his stride. Do you think DeMarcus Cousins is the addition, in quotes, that the Warriors need, or is it still one more, or, or, or something else, or is this just not their year, dot, dot, dot? 
I just think it's the regular season malaise. The Warriors have done this over and over again. I just don't think the regular season is exciting for them. Uh, maybe when Cousins comes back, it gives them some additional life because now they got this new fun player that they can they can work into the offense and and, and try to mesh with. But um, I'm really not worried about them long term. Um, you know, they are so much more talented than everybody else in the NBA that and and they. Um, are the perfect version of the modern NBA offense that I just don't see really anyone beating them. So even even a, a 75% version of the Warriors is still the best team in, in the league. Um, Alright, so right now, January 9th, 7.27pm Eastern Time, your pick for who ends up in the NBA Finals is... You know, I'm going to go obviously Warriors and I think I'm going to go Raptors. Um, I, I, I'll be rooting for the Raptors over the Celtics, but um, I think you know Kawhi, and I think it's very, it's very. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be kind of poetic for the for the Raptors to finally make it now with Kawhi in over Demar, um, and just kind of, and it'll also show everybody the difference between an All Star player and an All NBA player, and how the how big of a jump that really is. I think Kawhi, with his defense guarding guys like like Giannis. Um, and even Siakam, who's taken a huge step forward this year, and their bench is really is really good, and and they're really well coached. Uh, I think that this will be the year for the Raptors. Um, Kyle Lowry's health is, is the next factor, and, and his performance in general, come crunch time, is the next factor. But I think that the Raptors uh, can get the job done. All right, what's got the better chance of happening percentage-wise? Kevin Durant signs with the Knicks, or I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, well, Durant's going to sign with the Knicks 100%, so, so <laughs> that's definitely going to happen. Uh, uh, no, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if that... He, he, he can't discredit that rumor last night, actually, because he's knowing where he's coming from. I think he's just saying that just to say that, but um, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, if I it wants, uh, coming, to, coming to the Knicks will definitely change his image amongst NBA fans. Um, we'll see if he, if he goes after that. But I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he's leaving. Why would you leave the Warriors? Well, if uh, you leave the Warriors for probably two, maybe three reasons. Uh, reason one is maybe there is some real, th- some real tension between him and Draymond and these other guys. That, 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 could, that could be real. Um, I don't know if that... Will make it. Will make an impact, but it certainly seems like when there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes, again, I don't think it's going to affect them winning a championship, but there could be some real tension there. Uh, the other and the other option is that he's won his two championships, maybe about to win a third, maybe about to have his third Finals MVP. He's got his ring. Now go um, and bring a team by yourself to a championship. Go. That'll change. If he comes to New York, for example, or or the Clippers or one of those teams, and he wins the ring with one of those teams that hasn't won in forever, and he's the man on that team, and the team is built around him, that is going to help change his legacy from oh he's just a front runner, he just kind of went to the Warriors and tagged along and won a championship with them to no he was the guy and he won the championship and drove and brought them the championship and won the ring for them and kind of how LeBron changed his legacy around when he went to the Heat everyone hated him went back to the Cavs everyone loved him again um, I think Katie has a chance to kind of kind of go that route and also maybe he just wants to open up his market and try something more new you know again New York um, or the Clippers or one of those teams 
It's just a, a brand new market for him to become a superstar in. He's only played in Thunder, which is a small market. You know, the Warriors are obviously San Francisco, Oakland. It's a decent-sized market, but it's not L.A. It's not New York. So um, that's the three, op- three reasons in my head that I could see him leaving. I think option two would be the real reason why he would leave. So we put out on social media, does anyone have any questions for Jordan? And one question came through, only one. And that was from Mr. Miles McQuiggan, a former Teeing It Up guest, a great, great friend of all of us, who would like to know, when is the first time you ate fruit? Um, the first time was, I believe I was a junior in high school, sophomore or junior in high school, and I had a banana, and I did not like it. It took you that long to eat fruit? Fruit's gross, man. <laughs> I'm out. I, I do eat avocado, which is technically a fruit. I do eat that regularly. So, uh, what do you find gross about fruit? Texture, consistency. I really don't like the smell for a lot of them. Like, to me, oranges are, like, disgusting. I hate the smell of oranges. Um, it's weird. I, I, it's a weird thing that I have. Like, for giving an example, tomato's not a fruit, I don't think, but um, I'll have... Tomato soup, I'll have ketchup, I'll have tomato sauce, I'll have even uh, tomato juice if I needed to. Um, I'll have all of that, but I won't eat a tomato. Um, I'm just, it's like that weird consistency texture thing just doesn't mesh with me. Interesting. I see why Miles wanted to ask this. And yeah. that is your... The vegetables are great. People loop, loop them together, fruits and vegetables, but I eat a lot of vegetables with not a lot of fruit. There, there you go. All right, is there anything else you want to say before we shut the door on this one? Um, I think that's about it. I want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on, as always. And thank you all for listening to Jordan Brickman's appearance on Teeing It Up. And thank you for listening to this uh, to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling. And uh, we will talk to you soon.